Hey, do, do we have any Missourians, people from Missouri in the house today? Anybody from, no, not, you know, apparently not a very popular place to be from. I think we've had two the whole day. Uh, like, just like, like a couple. Of course, y'all know that, that the, what Missouri is known for is being the what? The show. Okay, so we, nobody's from there, but we know what they're about. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it's the, it's the show me state. You know what is funny about that, that state motto? It, is here, here's a group of people that, that pride themselves on, you got, you got to prove it to me, you got to show it to me, and yet they can't show you where that statement came from. And nobody knows why that, that they say that. There's a couple of legends, and that's what they are. There's some stories about where that came from. One of them, uh, one of their, their U.S. congressmen, and, and this is like 1897, okay, back or right around 1900, uh, one of their congressmen, William uh, Duncan Vandiver, was giving a speech in Philadelphia. And I think this part is true. And, and so he's giving this speech. And in the middle of the speech, he says, I'm from Missouri, so you've got to show me. Now, it's, it's true that he said that. Nobody knows why he said it. No, nobody knows why being from Missouri would, would mean they have to show him something. But that's kind of one idea about maybe where that came from. Another one, not quite as flattering... Uh, this story kind of came out of Leadville, Colorado in, in the 1890s. Mining is real big and people coming from all over America to, to mine in Colorado and a, and a large contingent, a large group of miners came from Missouri and apparently not a single one of them was the sharpest knife in the drawer. And, and so they, they couldn't pick up the way of mining in Colorado and they'd have to be shown over and over. And so the pit bosses started this saying, he's from Missouri. You'll have to show him. Now, if I'm from Missouri, I think I'm going with story number one. What do you think? Yeah. You know, wherever they got it from, they're, they're proud of it today. They, they are the show me state. I'll tell you something. If James hadn't been written over 2,000 years ago, I'd say James was from Missouri, wouldn't you? I mean, think, think about what we've heard. We saw him in chapter 2 say, so you say you have faith. Show me. Yeah, you got it. You scared me there for a second, right? Okay. And today we're going to hear him say, so you say you have wisdom. You know the way to live. Well, show me. Okay. And you know what? If you stop and think about it, if, if you said something about yourself and somebody said, prove it, somebody said, show me, we might be a little bit of offended, right? But, but when I hear James saying this, we, we shouldn't be offended. Don't we want there to be very real evidence of our relationship with God? Don't, don't we want to be able to demonstrate that and, and show that we're walking with Him? Well, that's what James is going to give us some insight. What does that look like? What's going to be in my life? So turn with me today to James chapter 3. That's where our text is found, James 3. If this is your first time with us, or maybe you hadn't been in a while, we are studying the letter from James. James is the half-brother to Jesus. He's one of the key leaders in the church, and uh, he's writing this letter to the church uh, uh, about life in Christ. And what we see him saying is, get faith in gear. Faith isn't something you just talk about. It's not some discussion over coffee. It's not just a, a periodic warm blanket. No, faith is how we live. Faith is how we express ourselves. It guides all that we are. It guides all that we do. There's very little that you should be doing where your faith is not seen. Put it in gear. Let's, let's see it. That's kind of been the message. And what each 
each passage, what each paragraph has shown us is maybe what that looks like in this area, in this area, in this area. And so that brings us today. We're, we're working our way through the book here. It's a short book, five chapters. And we're at the end of chapter 3, verse 13. It says there, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, we live in a, in a world today where, where we're kind of told we're to respect everybody's truth, right? Everybody's truth, everybody's way of life, however they see things. And I, I don't think you're going to hear me today say anything different from that. I, I, I think we are to be a respectful people. As a matter of fact, you can go to a passage like 1 Peter 3.15 and it says even if we're defending the faith, even if we're trying to explain the faith, share the faith, even then we're respectful of others and where they come from. We're, we're gentle with them. So be respectful, yes, but today, it's more than just respecting, isn't it? It's almost like we have to applaud every way of life. We have to applaud every path. We have to give value to it. Say, man, all ways are valuable. All ways are, uh, always work. Well, that's a, a neat idea, but it's just not true, is it? I mean, we might say this out loud, but we ain't thinking it inside, are we? No, we look at some people. We look at some ways of life and we go, that ain't going to work. That's, that's not right. That's going to blow up in their face. Hey, hey, listen, not every way works. As a matter of fact, I'm not saying not every way as if there's a handful of ways. One way works. God's way. God's way works. And you say, what makes it work? It works in all situations. It works in all walks of, of life. James today is talking about wisdom. Wisdom there is not IQ. Okay, it's not, it's not what you're going to do on a test. Wisdom there is skillful living. Okay, the way of God teaches you to live skillfully when it's raining and when it's sunny. When you're healthy, when you're unhealthy. When you're rich, when you're poor. When you're having the best day of your life, the worst day of your life. The wisdom that comes from above, the, the, the wisdom from God, man, it'll help you navigate that. It'll help you work that and live that. Now, I want to be on that way, right? Am I? What James is helping us determine is, look at the fruit. Look at the evidence in your life. Hey, life will tell you if your path works. Life will tell you what, what path you're on. You know, if you're walking down a path and you see a tree and, and one of these is laying on the ground and a bunch of these are, are on the branches, you know you have what? <laughs> I didn't realize we were taking advanced biology today. Okay. This is an This is an apple. And so if this is hanging on a tree, we have an apple tree. Wow. And this is supposed to be the sharp root. Man, you slept in. You got coffee in you. You should be good to go. It's almost lunchtime. Yeah, we walk up. We know this, this is an apple. Is, is it judgmental to say this is an apple tree? 
No, I mean, we just, we know how to measure that. It'd be silly to call that judgmental. Well, in our life, it is kind of judgmental to distinct or, you know, to label something, to put some kind of explanation on it. But in the same way, we would say this comes from an apple tree. That's what James is doing here. And his mind is, hey, listen, it's very simple. You walk up on a life, you look at, you look at what's laying around its feet, you look at how its de- uh, relationships are described, you look at what's hanging on it, and you can say, hey, those are the qualities of God. Those, those, that's the fruit of God. This is, this is a person of God that's on God's path. Or we can walk up to another path, and this is where you'd be labeled as very judgmental, because this is kind of a harsh word. But we'd say, hey, that's, that's more the characteristics, that's more the product of walking on Satan's path. And folks, all paths are Satan's paths. All paths are the world's path, except God's path. And so what we have in this passage, a bunch of words were thrown at us, but these words are the different fruits, the different evidence of what you'd see in the on the, on the two paths. So let's, let's look at these here real quickly. You see Satan's path. You can call it the world's path. That would, would be used interchangeably. And you've got God's path. And, and you see some of the things that this looks like. You look at these first two. And, and this little combination here is used twice in the very short passage we read. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. I'm guessing very few people would ever describe themselves this way. How would you describe yourself on your resume? Well, I'm bitterly jealous and just over-the-top ambitious. I'll run over anybody to get what I want. You know, I know we're not going to use words like that to describe ourselves. Matter of fact, we would only use words to call somebody else that. It's probably somebody we don't like. And yet, I think the Scripture would say to us, folks, these two words describe every person in this room and everybody walking on this planet. This is what we naturally are. Without something changes, this is who and where. I mean, this is little more than life is about me. It's, it's what I want. It's what I think. It's what I have. It's what I'm getting. It's what you have. Why don't I have it? And, and, and everybody in life is just measured by how they make me feel. I measure my marriage. I measure my church. I'll measure God by how happy he makes me. By, by what he's doing for me. As a matter of fact, in some places we'd, we'd say that and say, well, yeah, so what's the point? Yeah, we measure everything, work, school, friends. What do they do for me? And if when I measure them, I find them, you know, hey, I can control them. I can manipulate them. They're doing what I want done in the advancement of me and my life. Then they get to be in my little kingdom. They get to be in my little circle. And if they don't help advance me, then they're enemies. People are to be overcome. I'm overcoming people. I'm, it's, it, this life fights and it claws all the time. There's no joy in this. Because as a matter of fact, even if you're winning, you got your little kingdom, everybody's around you is serving you, you've got the enemies out, you've overcome them. But you're just one day from being overcome yourself because guess what everybody around you is doing? The exact same thing. They're overcoming people. They're, they're fighting people. This life right here takes all of its direction from the earth. The earth tells me what's important. The earth tells me what I'm about. The earth gives me my goals and my values. I live for today. Right here, right now, which means I, I, I live in tumult and I live in stress because anything today cannot, can knock me off the track. I mean, today it's about how I feel right now, earthly desires, unspiritual. There's no connection to above. There's no connection to God. Oh, I mean, this life right here can talk about God, give lip service to God. But there doesn't see God. There's no real reliance on God's way. There's no real reliance on God's power. Demonic, that sounds like a little over the top, right? It can kind of mean two things. Inspired by Satan. Okay, okay, Satan's pushing this lifestyle. Satan's pushing this way. By the way, if you've ever lied, 
Satan inspires lying. When that came out, where did it come from? Satan's encouraging that in you, okay? So when we're sinning, we're being inspired. But this can also mean as just simple as living a life of deceit. You know who we deceive more than anyone else? Ourselves. I'm constantly telling myself, my way works. My way is getting me where I want. It's getting me what I want. I am too happy. I am too making this work. So we deceive ourselves. It leads to confusion. It leads to order. It ultimately, it breaks down. This path, by the way, will work. It'll work for a moment. It'll work for a space, a period of time. But it's always moving to disorder. It's always moving to a breakdown. And there's, there's evil in this life. Now, here again, that's not a word we would... Man, that's just like the very worst people, right? You know, we may not do all evil, but all evil is inside us. At any moment, we can commit any kind of evil. The, the right circumstances, the right situation, and I can, you can commit any kind of evil. You know one circumstance that makes all evil available to us? The idea we're not going to get caught. The moment I think nobody will know, nobody sees. Now, all of a sudden, something you think I'd never do. Hey, if it advances my agenda, if it makes me happy, if it gets me what I want and nobody's looking, there's no consequences. Then now, all of a sudden, folks, that's evil. That's what that is. Now, here's a shock. God's path would be basically just the opposite of everything I just said, right? Hey, the big thing is right here, those first two words, it's from above. This comes from above. This is, this is not a lifestyle that's taking its cues from other people. This is not a lifestyle that, that finds its truth in the earth. This lifestyle finds its worth, finds its truth, finds its direction from above. It's pure, and that's a reference to motives. We're going to talk about motive, what's driving us here in just a second. But look at the rest of these words. You, you know what these words all relate to? People. I mean, I'm not gentle if I'm all by myself, right? No, gentle refers to how I'm relating to somebody else. Goodness, I mean, I guess I can be good all by myself, but usually goodness is what results in something I'm being or something I'm doing from somebody, with somebody else. What you have here in these two lists, folks, this is a life lived for self. This is a life lived for God. And a life lived for God always shows itself in how you live for others. There's no possible way to be living for God that does not benefit others from the stranger to the enemy, your most loved one to your friend. When you love God, when you're living for God, it always results in how you relate with others. Okay, so we, we've got this list here and I'm, I'm, I'm living, you know, I'm either living for me or I'm living for God. Well, I want to live for God, right? I want to be on the right path, but, but how do I know? Which one do I do? And folks, the reason a list like this is not judgmental, but extremely important to you and me, is because we pick the wrong path every time. Let me say it again. You pick, but how's this for judgmental? You pick the wrong path every time. We are horrible at picking the path. Picking our truth. That's what the scripture says. Look what it says here. In Proverbs chapter uh, 14, 12 and 16, 25. The reason I put two references there is because they say the same thing. Okay. There is a way that seems right to a man. Hey, that's the way I want to go. That's what I, I want to be that religion. Hey, I like that. That fits my personality. 
hey, I'm going to lie right here. Hey, I'm going to be angry right Hey, I'll go the way I want to go. This is what's going to work for me. Isn't that big in America? It works for me, so leave me alone. This is, this is my path. This is my life. I don't need you up in my face. I don't need your judgmentalism. You do your thing. I'm going to do mine. I can be absolutely convinced. I'll fight you over it that I'm on the right path. I'm on the path I need to be and be marching to where? To death the entire time. This, this is, is, who's this true of? All people. It, it's true of all of us. We, we get our mind. I'm going my way. But that way ends in death. Well, I don't want that. So, so, so how, do I, how do I know which way to go? How do I know which path to be on? James says, hey man, no problem. Look at the fruit. The fruit never lies. Look at what's around your feet. Look at what's in your relationships. Look what's hanging off of your life. And that will show you every single time. And folks, I, the life of a believer is the life of Christ. Right? The life of a believer is the life of Christ. That means that life looks like Christ, acts like Christ, does what Christ would do, says what Christ would do. We all know we're not perfect. We all know we're growing. But folks, the bottom line, the fruit that should be littered all over your feet should be the character qualities of Jesus Christ. Should be the life. The life of a believer is the life of Christ. That's really super simple, isn't it? Does that make sense? Life of a believer is the life of Christ. And the life of Christ is a life of wisdom. It's a life that is always going to live skillfully. It will always succeed in whatever the environment, whatever the way. Okay, now, I want to believe I'm a believer. I want to believe that I'm living the, the life of Christ. But, but how do I know? Well, that's what James has shown us here. He says, hey, Randy, here's the fruit. Here's the character. Here's, here's the thing. It ought to be really clear. Well, here's where I get me personally, I'm not saying you, I'm saying me personally. Here's where I get frustrated with this passage. Because when you read this passage, as a matter of fact, look at the verse we ended with last week, verse 12. It says, hey, grapevines don't produce figs. Figs don't produce grapes, right? Does that make sense to everybody? Of course it does. And this concept of James here, that, that, that you can look at your life and you can determine the fruit, that, that's not unique to James. This this idea is used all the way through Scripture. Jesus says, you'll know a person by their fruit. Look at the character. Look what's laying around their feet. Look what's in their relationships. Look how they live. And you'll be able to determine. It's, it says the same thing in problem. You'll know a child by their conduct. You'll know a child by their fruit. So this is not uh, a unique theme to James. It's all the way Scripture through Scripture. It's always very black and white. On apple trees you have apples on orange trees you have oranges on a life in God you have the fruit of God on a life that's in the world you have the the fruit of the world the fruit of Satan now here's my frustration I think I have both fruits on my tree and I don't see that in scripture I, I don't see scripture I don't see James I don't see Jesus I don't see David talking about the apple orange tree but, but I do. I do. I, folks, I'm a believer. 
I'm following the life of Christ. I, I honestly, I believe, and I hope this doesn't sound braggadocious, I think if you followed me around for a week, you'd say, hey, there's apples in his life. I'm going to make apples the, the fruit of God's path and oranges the fruit of Satan's path. Don't try to figure out why and don't try to explain to me the value of oranges. I love oranges, okay? Just go with me today, all right? Just go with me today, okay? I think you follow me around, you'd see apples in my life. I'm confident you would. You'd say, hey, he seems to be trying to be inspired from above, depending on what's from above. He, he seems to care about how he relates and, and how he comes across to people. It matters to him. He wants to, Jesus to be seen. I'm positive you'd see apples. But if I'm being honest, there's some oranges. I'm not saying this rhetorically, folks. I'm, I'm saying this as a fact. I don't know that I'd let you follow me around if I knew for sure I was sprouting oranges right at the moment. But, but they're there. And so I'm left saying, hey, God, you're always talking about the fruit will show. But, but I think both fruits are in my life. And so I'm thinking, well, do I have, a, do I have enough apples? Do, do I have enough apples that it doesn't make any difference that this other stuff pops out? Or does the presence of one orange wipe out all my apples? Y'all get where I'm going? I, I know I've got some of God's fruit here, but... There's the world's fruit also. Does the presence of that mean that none of that God fruit is real? Or do I have enough God fruit that it covers up? And I'm, and I'm trying to figure out. I'm saying, what about this, Lord? This week, I'm trying to figure this passage out and figure out this, this reality. And so here, here's the way I approached it. I started thinking about it like this. If I was an apple farmer, okay? I'm an apple farmer. Guess what I want? Apples. Do you know why I want apples? Because that's my profit. That's how I pay the bills. That, that's how I put food on the table. That's how I'm successful is in producing apples. So all the equipment in my barn is for getting apples. All of the fertilizer is for apples. My middleman, because I don't, I don't sell my apples to, to, to Martin's or Walmart. No, there's a middleman. My middleman moves apples. Nothing I have is for moving oranges. Oranges might be wonderful for you. But my profit's not in oranges. I, I, I don't move oranges. So if I walk outside one morning and, and I look out there and there, there's my, my vast apple orchard. And we're all getting ready to go to apple festivals here. That's the month for it, right? And I go out there and there's a big giant apple orchard. And there's an orange tree right in the middle of that. I probably don't say, well, that's cool. No, I, I don't want an orange tree. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, when I'm looking at my life, I'm saying, i got apples and oranges in my life. And all I'm asking is, is it okay? Do I have enough? But if I'm an apple farmer, I'm not saying, well, I think I've got enough apples. I've got an orange tree's not going to hurt anything. Or, or what if, what, what, what if i got a tree? Man, all my apple trees have a, two, three oranges on them. That's where my illustration kind of breaks down, doesn't it? Because be, that really would be cool. I, you probably could sell tickets to have people come see your apple orange tree. Okay? So just stop thinking about how cool that is. And remember, you're an apple farmer. I don't profit on oranges. I profit on apples. So I'm not going to look at that tree and say, well, it's mostly apples. Yeah, there's a few, but I don't think that's going to be a, a problem. No, I'm going to be very aggressive in doing anything I can to kill these 
weed killer, fertilizer, whatever. And I'm doing everything I can to advance the profit of these because this is my profit. And I'm literally, folks, I'm, I'm telling you, this is how I'm thinking through this. And then all of a sudden it dawns on me. Why? Because I think we treat this as mystical. Oh, I'm really a good person and I want to be a good person and I'm trying to be a good person. I don't know where this stuff comes from. I don't know why this popped up on my tree. We act like it just mystically showed up. Do you know why this shows up? Because I do think it's profitable. I believe in God. I want to be like God. I want to live on God's path. But the reality is every now and then I think the lie profits. Every now and then I think lust profits. Makes me feel good. Every now and then, anger is what really helps me hold on to my kingdom, advance my kingdom, and conquer people who are in the way of my kingdom. Folks, this stuff just works sometimes. But see, now I'm back to Proverbs 14, 12. Am I going to trust my ability to determine what profits? Or am I going to listen to God say, hey, I, I get it. I see that in this little space you're on right now, in this little portion of the path, it really looks like that's going to profit you. It really looks like that's going to get you where, where you want to go. But I'm telling you, this will kill you. I'm telling you, this is, is death. So do I trust my ability to pick the path? Or do I believe God? He says this way ends in death. You know, the problem with this is it's just, it's just so easy. It's just so incredibly easy. This comes natural. You, you see, the evidence of Satan's fruit in my life is, is a lot bigger problem than just what I'm finding profitable. The evidence of Satan's fruit, the world's fruit in my life, is really a sign to me, a picture for me, arrows pointing for me, that I've gone back to making me the center of my affections. Remember what I said about the two lists? One list is showing you a life about self. The other list is showing you a life about God. When you see that, that stuff on the list that you know is of Satan, it's inspired of Satan, it's earthly, it's telling you, hey, Randy, you're living for yourself. You're, you're living for you. You're the number one driver. You're where you're getting your truth. You're, you're what it's all about. And, and folks, this is what we do naturally. You know what? I don't ever, ever, never once in my life have I ever had to wake up and say, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to live for myself. I don't ever have to wake up. and t- that's, the, that's the default mode. That, that's automatic. To live for God, something has to change. But I wake up living for self. And folks, it's living for self that puts us on the path of death. It's living for self that takes away joy, that takes away purpose, that, that ruins relationships. It, it just take death as it leads to everything breaking down. It leads me to being unprepared to live in eternity. So if it's this issue of who am I living for then I've got to break this pattern of living for myself and I've got to live for God. And, and, and a lot of us have done that. We've, we've come to faith in Jesus Christ. We've said, Savior, Jesus is my Savior. He's my King, my Lord. I'm living for Him. And then all of a sudden, I'm back over here and, and I'm, I'm the center of my affections. So what I thought I'd do as I thought through this is I need, to, I need some ways. I need some commitments in my life that I'm going to do every single day so that the God fruit is growing, Right? 
I've got five ways here, folks, that that we can see God's fruit in our lives every day, that we can break this living for self. Now, I say five. I'm not really getting ready to give you a list of five things. I'm not going to give you. Here's five separate, distinct things. It's five ways of thinking about how to do one thing. Kill yourself and, and, and exalt God. Die to self and live for God. Stop giving glory to yourself and give glory to God. Number one, today I will live so that God is seen and praised. And that's not a neat idea or something I came up with. That's a command from Jesus. Matthew five twelve says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they might see, listen to this, that they might see you, they might see your good works, but guess who they end up praising? God. Let them see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven. There is a way to live so that I, when I'm seen, God is seen. Folks, think about that. When you look at an apple tree, you're not looking at bark. You're not looking at wood. You're not looking at leaves. What are you looking at? Looking at the fruit. You're looking at apples. Okay, so just kind of picture me as bark and branches and leaves. But what you end up seeing and what you end up praising God for is the fruit. That's what should be happening in our lives. Number two, today I will work to advance his kingdom in my life and others. Here again, not a neat idea I came up with, but a command from Jesus. Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom. Is he telling us to go out and look for a castle and a moat? The answer is no. Let's try it. Is he telling us to go out and look for a castle and a moat? No. Okay, now y'all get a good cup of coffee next week. Y'all are a bunch of Missourians today. Just not very sharp. Okay, no, we... We're, we're not going out, and I, I, I'm sorry if you know somebody from Missouri. I'm just kidding, okay? I don't think Missourians are stupid. Um, when Jesus says, seek his kingdom, he's saying, what does the kingdom have? Yes, it has a castle and a moat. That's not what I'm seeking. I'm seeking the king, right? So he says, when you're seeking first his kingdom, I'm seeking his rule and his reign in my life. I'm seeking the growth of that rule and way. I want God conquering territory in the kingdom once called Randy. Do you get that? I want God conquering territory in the kingdom once called fill in your own name. And folks, when this really starts happening, it's attractive. It's a life of wisdom. It's a life that is skilled. And guess what? It draws other people to it. Not because they see you, but because they see God. Number three, today I will think often on his greatness and goodness. Oh boy, that starts well if, you, if you'll get up in the morning and open his word. Because it, it's, it's a real picture of how great he is and, and how good he is. And that kind of helps get my thoughts going and gets me thinking along that way so that I can do it not just for five minutes in the morning, but that all day long I start looking at everything good going on out there. Hey, there's a good giver. I, I, I start seeing his greatness in everything happening. Number four, today I will ask myself how what I am doing at work, at school, in this relationship, mowing the yard, going grocery shopping, how is what I'm doing acknowledging and praising him and making necessary adjustments? You know what this is right here? This is called apple farming. Okay? What are farmers doing? They're always going out there inspecting the trees, inspecting the land, inspecting the fruit. And then they go, I need to get weed killer. I need to get bug killer. I need to get fertilizer. I need to get water on this. Hey, look at my life. Is, is there the fruit? Am I, are people seeing God in my life? Am I seeing God in my life? Am I worshiping? Am I praising? And then adjust. 
Make the adjustment. Not, not next week, not next Sunday, not before you get to church. Every single day, all day long, we're farming. We're making the adjustments so that God's fruit is what's growing in our lives. And lastly, today I will make it all about Him. And that's good. Today I'm going to make it all about Him. You know, folks, again, what are these things? They're just thoughts, but they're thoughts that have got to be in my mind all day long. It is very possible that you could absolutely want to live for God. You could wake up, man, God, I want to live for you today. I want to acknowledge you today. I want to praise you today. And by the time you eat that last spoonful of Raisin Bran, you're on back to living for self. You You didn't say, oh, I'm going to be evil today. No, all of a sudden the thought's just a million miles away and, and you're off into your day and you're right back to living for self. It's, it's work all day long. But watch what happens. When these kind of thoughts are guiding the way you think, the way you act, the way you respond. When you're praising him, acknowledging him, giving him thanks all day long. You are going to make the right decision Every single time. That's impossible. There's no, there's no such thing as a life that bats a thousand. When that life is acknowledging God, praising God, thinking about eternity, thinking about standing before God, worshiping God, making Him the center all day long, you will make the right decision. You will. What's James talking about? You will live skillfully. You will live a life of wisdom. Praise Him. Acknowledge Him. Give him thanks. You know, if I were to, if I were to say to you, Here, here's the answer for your life. Here's what you need to do. I want you all to do this every day this week. At least, at least once. I want you to wake up and say, I love Randy Hahn. I think Randy Hahn is the best thing since sliced bread. Randy Hahn really is the greatest thing I know of. Now, I... I'm guessing you're not actually going to do that. And you're going to probably think ill of me, right? That's a little self-centered. He's a little egotistical. Okay, well, i got a question for you. Because that's exactly what God is saying to us. He's saying the answer to everything is you just wake up and all day long you say, I love God. I think God is the greatest thing. Well, is God egotistical? Is he self-serving? Was God lonely? And so he made a bunch of little clay figures and said, okay, all you little clay figures, just look up to heaven and say, God's great, God's great. Man, is a, is a little needy of God? No, if I'm telling you to praise me, I'm, I'm being egotistical. But folks, when God is telling you to praise him, he's doing you and me a favor. Why? Because we choose the wrong path every time. We will put the wrong thing at the center of our lives every single time. We will put the wrong person, namely ourselves. But we'll put the wrong person. We'll put the wrong thing. We'll put the wrong motives. And everything we put there leads to death. But when God says, hey, make me the big thing. Put me at the center. Then folks, what are we putting at the center? We're putting what is eternal. What is good? What is right? What is perfect? There's nothing else we can put there. We will put everything else under the sun there. But the only thing that really works is when we put God there. God's doing us a favor when he tells us to put him in the center. Make him the big deal. Make him the big thing. Because then we always do what is right along the path. 
And it produces a fruit that lasts forever. That's pretty good. Thank you, God, because I wouldn't have figured it out. Let's pray. How wonderful to praise you. You are the creator, I'm not. You are the judge of all things. You're the only one who can rightly and accurately measure. I can't. You are the savior, I'm not. You are the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the God of all gods. I can't find my keys. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I'm not. You are the author of life. You are the great I am. Nothing greater, nothing bigger, nothing more pure, nothing more perfect. Oh God, would you forgive us that we look to almost anything and everyone else before we look to you. Forgive us, oh God, that we fight you for the God position in our lives. Lord, teach us not to trust our way, not to trust the path we're so confident that we're on. God, teach us to look around, to measure. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you see, what you hear, and to rightly measure our own lives so that we might get on the path that you have for us. Thank you that you've got a path for us, a path that counts, a path that lasts, a path that works. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.